Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to NJS Bay's Blog Talk Radio Show, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings the state leaders to you, and I hope that you feel free to join us. My name is Ray Penny, and I'll be your host this morning. Today, we will not only be taking your calls, but we also have the chat room open. Uh, I think this gives you another uh, avenue in which to participate in the show. Anne-Marie will be taking the calls and screening the calls this morning. Uh, we only have a 30-minute show, so we probably won't get to most of them. Anne-Marie, could you please explain the process? I'll hold it. Yes, Ray, I would be happy to. To call in, dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four. When you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press one. That will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. I'll get your name and your question or topic. Also, if you are on the phone line, I will ask you to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there will be a delay and it is confusing. If you are just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log on to. We will be monitoring the chat room and will pass on some of the comments or questions to our speaker. To log on the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Anne-Marie. The New Jersey legislature is in its lame duck session. Governor Christie has made it known he wants his educational agenda preferably passed preferably sooner than later, rather than later. Uh, While Governor Christie would like to move his agenda now, the process requires that he works with both the New Jersey Senate and the Assembly. Both houses are controlled by the Democrats. We're fortunate to have with us this morning the President of the Senate, Senator Stephen Sweeney from Gloucester County, who despite having some distinct policy differences with the governor, has been able to work with the governor and compromise with him to pass legislation such as the pension and health benefit reform measure. Senator President Sweeney has been in the Senate since 2002 and president since 2010. Before that, he sat on the Gloucester County Board of Freeholders, and he was also served as director of the Freeholder Board. Welcome, Senate President Sweeney. Thanks for having me, Rex. My pleasure. Uh, Let's start with uh, last summer. I was out uh, in June. And there was a lot of union protesters out there, and landmark legislation that you helped pass was the uh, Pension and Health Benefit Reform Package. And I know you took some heat from uh, your colleagues on your Democratic aisle, and so did uh, Speaker Oliver. Uh, And you're also a union uh, member, too. Why do you think – explain to our listeners why you felt you needed to pass that legislation. Right, because the system was going bankrupt. And unfortunately, you know – Instead of people being honest with, you know, all the public employees about the, the health or position of the pension system, no one wanted to talk about the realities that it was going broke. Right? Everyone wants to say that, well, if the state made their payments, yeah, that's a valid point. But the real problem was that there's a thing called an assumption rate with the pension. You assume your investments are going to make in, in the state of New Jersey, we assume the investments every year are going to make eight and a quarter percent. Well, over the last decade, we made two percent a year, and no one made up that money, and that compounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, besides, you know, if if you look through the history of what was done with the pension, lowering the retirement age with no money, reducing the contribution that that teachers and public employees paid for a while, uh, 
you know, and then increasing everyone's pension by 9%, retirees and everyone with no money, well, that's the problem. And see, as a labor person that deals with pensions, and this is what I do for a living, that's not how you deal with pensions. You you have actuaries come in, they tell you this is what the number is, you know, and if, and, you know, we didn't make enough money, you need to make these changes. Well, no one wanted to deal honestly with these people, and, and, and uh, you know, this is how it works, works in the real world, and it needs to work in the government world because we've promised a lot of people pension, you know, a, a pension, and we want to make sure it's there for them. The pension was going to be broke in 2018, and a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, like, uh, people started running out the door thinking, well, I'll retire now, and this way they can't get me. Well, guess what? They can get you. Yeah. And they, you know what I mean? And they can reduce your pension. Because if I only have $50 in the bank and i got to write a $100 check, I can't write that $100 check. So this was not emotional for me at all, right? Okay. It was, it was for me doing the right things by by working people to ensure their pension is going to be there. So they're going to have the promise that was made. Uh, and the health care reform, honestly, needed to happen for taxpayers. So it was a balance. All right. Um, so you, in the long run, you think it will benefit all of the teachers and all the public unions, workers? Absolutely. In, the, right. long, in the long run... You're, you know, because of these reforms, you're going to be able to keep, to keep more teachers. You're going to be able to keep more firefighters and police officers. Look, it's never easy when you tell somebody you got to change. But okay. this state is a financial train wreck. And, right, we did in that pension and health care reform, we have bound the state to make their payments, which I think is a very good thing. Well, in six years, we're going to be putting six billion, not million, billion dollars in the pension system. Wow. Follow my math here. Our, our budget was roughly $29.6 billion. So we're an additional $6 billion. Yes. And if they, and we, we're not, I'm going to be optimistic and say in six years the budget will grow to $34 billion. And to take $34 billion minus six gives you 28. Six years from now, just because of the pension, we're going to have a billion and a half dollars less than we have today. So how do I fund schools? How do I fund police? How do I, you know, I mean, provide services? So you know, I know something people had didn't, to give. You know, people didn't like it, but something had to give. Otherwise, you know, you would have people saying, "What happened? I was promised a pension, and I, I, I didn't want to be the one that said I told you so." or that I was right, you know, because it's not about saying I was right or I told you so. This was just something that has been in the works for years. And, you know, prior leadership in the past, you know, it's nice to, you know, union officials are elected officials. They get elected in their unions. It's mm -hmm. nice to go back to your membership and say, look what I did for you. What did it cost? Oh, it didn't cost anything. Wow, these guys are great. Well, it had every, there's no free ride. If it looks too good, it is too good. Now, and, uh, so we're, you know, we dealt with it in a real way. Now, you you kind of alluded to it before. You have this obligation coming up, and what about school funding? Because I know, and you probably have heard the governor say, and I don't know if he's talked to you, and that would be part of my question, that 
Commissioner Cerf and the governor kind of looking at a new school funding formula. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not sure if the governor's approach to you were on that. I, I absolutely disagree with the governor. We came up with a funding formula that passed constitutional muster, that did away with habits, and if we had funded the schools, if we had funded the schools, the formula, we wouldn't have this problem we just had with these court cases. So the way I look at it, to be perfectly honest with you, is the governor, there's nothing wrong with our funding formula. The governor has to fund it, and we could have funded it. We could have completely, I mean, we could have fully funded it with the addition of a millionaire's tax. And and, and the governor chose, the, go, the governor chose not to fund it because he didn't want to raise taxes on the wealthy and rather just waste, raise taxes on everyone else. Um, moving on, the, the governor's been pretty, been pushing a pretty aggressive uh, education reform agenda in, in all aspects. Yeah. Um, one of the bills he's looking at, well, not his bill, I'm sorry, is teacher tenure reform. Uh, I know in the Senate, Senator Ruiz has a bill up there. Do you have any thoughts on how her tenure reform bill, how, will that move? Uh, we're going to be, we're going to, we're working hard to come up with a tenure reform bill that we think will work. Uh, and as Senator Ruiz has put a lot of time and effort into it, and I'm looking at her bill, uh, whether it's her bill or a version of her bill, uh, you know, we are going to pass tenure reform. Uh, again, it could be lame duck. There's a possibility it will not get done in lame duck, but tenure reform is going to come to New Jersey. I, I, I can tell you that right now. And it, what, it needs to be real, right? And what it needs, it, it needs to be harder to obtain and easier to rid ourselves of bad teachers. So, you know, Senator Ruiz has put, I mean, she's tackled probably one of the toughest issues that I've ever seen since I've been in the legislature. Uh, there's one component of that bill, and I have to uh, represent the School Board Association, probably the su superintendent that changes the way who hires and transfers uh, employees. It shifts it to the principal from the superintendent and the board. It, do you think that will stay in the bill, or is there a possibility that that might be modified? There's discussions on how that's going to work, how that piece is going to work. Because, you know, depending, look, in, in my part of the state, the southern part of the state, you know, a lot of school districts don't have HR directors. You know, it's uh, the superintendent's the person that's doing a lot of the lifting down there. So uh, to be perfectly honest with you, that's, that's, that's something that we, we have to shake out still on how that, that, that final piece is going to look. Yeah, and that's, I think, some of the concern that I've heard and uh, is that sometimes we have this one-size-fits-all, and what may work in Essex County may not work in Gloucester County. Um, exactly. Um, the governor is also pushing ch charter schools, virtual charter schools. What's the, the Democrats in the Senate, your position on charter schools? Do you think we should have a moratorium on them, or should we take a step back? Uh, there's been some pushback from people in the South and the Cherry Hill region on a, a new charter school being put in. Well, you know, listen, I don't think, you know, I'm not opposed to charter schools, but I don't think charter schools are the answer. I mean, I, I think they could be piece, a piece of the answer. But, you know, in these times like Cherry Hill, Cherry Hill is a very good school district. And to, to create a charter school to take more funding that's going to take more funding out of the public education system doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, uh, and, and obviously I understand why people are up in arms about the Cherry Hill situation. 
You know, again, right, charter schools can play a role, but it's not really the answer. Because, uh, you know, there's bad charter schools. There's good charters, there's bad charters. So, you know, charters need to be in the discussion, but not, not they're not solely the answer. There's, uh, I think it was in the Assembly, I don't think it's moved in the, the Senate, a, a bill to have the community have some input into the, the process through a, either mm-hmm. a vote of some sort. What's your feeling on something like that? Again, that's something that we're discussing right now, to be perfectly honest with you, because it's something that has to be discussed. You know, uh, do we have a vote uh, in in certain areas and, and not in others? You know, because that's one of the debates that we're dealing with. Can you um, require a vote in, say, a suburban area and not require a vote in an urban area because, of the, you know, the, the need for competition in certain places. Again, some charter schools, you know, in Cherry Hill, I think it was up to the voters that wouldn't have passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, 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 that that's something that we are, again, going to be looking at in lame duck. Um, so this is going to be interesting lame duck. On the Senate side, we'll be looking at it. Lame ducks okay. are always very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, there's the Opportunity Scholarship Act. That's been around for quite a while, and each time it seems to move a little bit further along. Um, is there a chance? What we've been hearing is that it might be something that might move in this session or beyond. Well, well, look, I've seen at least 15 versions of feels of the bill, so you know it's hard to comment on an opportunity scholarship back bill until we finally see a version that uh, people agree to. Because at this point, I know, like, Senator Lesniak uh, is very opposed to, you know, he's the sponsor of the bill in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, removing a bill that doesn't have his hometown Elizabeth in it. You, you know what I'm saying? So right. how do you think, how do you, you, you know, he's the sponsor of the bill. So we got to see what a bill's going to look like first. And, and honestly, it continues to change. Everyone's been working very hard on it. But, you know... Some of my concern is that, again, it's money out of public education, but then look at Camden, the city of Camden, and that's even a greater concern for me because we're seeing too many children failing in Camden. And uh, being from southern New Jersey, uh, we want to help these kids. And people say it's it's uh, socioeconomic issues. Well, in Camden right now, there's 2,500 children on the waiting list to go to a charter school. Now, it's a specific. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not... It's a specific school they want to go to. It's not a, you know, just anyone. But again, you have families that care about their kids, whether it's an uncle, an aunt, a mother, a father, you know, whatever. They, they don't want their children going to a school where they feel the school's failing. All right, we have a caller, Karen, uh, from Closter. Let me get her on. Karen, you wanted to thank uh, Senator Sweeney about a. a bill yes, and ask them a question? Yes. Um, first off, I'd like to thank you very much for the bill requiring the creation of the Reading Disabilities Task Force, Governor, Senator. Thanks. Um, yes. I think it was certainly a bill long overdue in our state. And I'm just wondering what you'd like to see the Reading Disabilities Task Force accomplish and, and what's the status of that task force right now? God, I, I don't have the status of the task force off the top of my head, but what we would like to accomplish is to give us a roadmap to help children that have reading disabilities. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's pretty simple, you know? 
we know we have children that are struggling, and we want to find a way that it will, the most effective way of helping our children. Yeah, I think one of the issues, Senator, is that there's such a lack of awareness out there about reading disabilities. You know, the National well, Institute that's of Health. The bill. I'm sorry. That's what drove the bill. Is we right. we want to make there a greater awareness because uh, there is, as you said, a lack of knowledge. Right. Yeah, I know the National Institute of Health research indicates 20% of our population has some form of a reading disability. And even in the, our highest performing districts in our state, when you look at NJF's performance on the language arts section, close to 20% of kids in our highest performing districts score partially proficient in language arts, which again may be due to other reasons, but given NIH statistics, the NJF scores, it all comes back to, it would seem, you know, reading disabilities. And, you know, how can we get there to improve those numbers? Because those are they're dramatically high numbers in terms of kids succeeding um, in the future. If you can't read at grade level, uh, it seems like a, a monumental problem in our state. Okay. Uh, thanks, Karen. I'm going to have to put you on hold. You can still listen. Any other comments on that, uh, Senator? No. Uh, you know, again, that's it was, you know, I'm glad she brought this issue up because it is. It's, it's a crisis be perfectly honest with you, when you have kids that can't read, how are they going to be successful in life? And the percentage is much higher. Uh, and people, you know, when you start looking at stats and you have, you know, high, you know, successful school districts where kids are not performing well. You know, some, again, these are issues that we need to really focus on and find ways to assist our children in, in, in our schools and in helping these kids learn. Okay, you know, before I move on to another topic, I, I see there was a caller had a question, and this is something that's popping up. And I, I, I would guess that the legislature is probably going to have to deal with this one. It, we talked about charter schools before. Uh, Clara, uh, I'll put you on. She has a question about uh, virtual charter schools or virtual okay. schools. Clara? Yes, hi. Can you ask a brief question? Sure. Um President Sweeney, I don't know if you're aware of um of what's going on in Teaneck, but we uh we recently received an application for a virtual charter school which is asking for us to set aside fifteen million dollars of our budget, which is twenty percent of our operating budget. And what our question is is it will obviously have a a, a devastating impact to our our school system. What we're asking is, what is your position on virtual charter schools? And uh, and this can be a multiple district uh, school. And also, what can we do at this point to stop this? All right, I'm going to put you on hold, Clara, and you can listen to this, Senator. Okay. Well, honestly, you know, charters, virtual or or non-virtual charter schools are are a problem because they're popping up in places where we think the school districts are successful, and they're only taking needed resources from the successful school districts, which will create a district that's going to obviously they're going to start to fail, especially when mm -hmm. we take some of the resources away from them. So you know, we in the Senate, you know, want to have a much um, much more uh, not much more, but a uh, uh, more of a discussion on the impact that these charter schools are doing, especially in districts where they're, we're not failing. You know, right. that they're just taking resources. 
that will then will create the school district to fail. So we got to we got to tackle this thing, and I'm sure we'll be tackling it early next year. Yeah, it, yeah, because I don't think you can tackle these broad statements by the end of the lame duck. But uh, are charter schools in a different place than they were when the legislation is passed? Now, I mean, do we have to relook at the entire charter school legislation? Even That's, yeah, I think you do. You know, because you know, it's it seems like it's it, well, it doesn't seem we're going beyond what we thought the need was. Right, and uh, and we need to rein it in somewhat. And again, yeah. where there's a need, there should be. And that's honestly when we were talking about Opportunity Scholarship Act, which is a different piece, is people focusing on areas where we're struggling and not being successful. You know, again, the charter movement has exploded in this state, and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I, I, the governor, when he was on the show, even said he thought he would like to uh, focus charter schools more in the areas where there's they're needed, where there's failing school, school districts or failing students. So yeah, I think right, we'll probably come to agreement. Yeah, I think we will because, you know, again, Cherry Hills is the perfect example, and the example I just – just got about TNAC. You're going to take 20% of the budget aside for a virtual charter school. And, you know, we're going to cripple our schools by doing this. Mm-hmm. So, again, there there has to be a much more encompassing discussion when, when you're, you know, it just it can't be, well, just throw this one in here and throw that one in there. And that's what it seems like is going on now. Okay, I'm going to shift gears. Uh, there was a bill placed in this week. Uh, that would move now. It's, it allows a school district and/or a municipality um, to move to elect to move their school board election to November, if, and also in that eliminate the school board school budget vote. Uh, it was placed in um, by Senator Nora Cross and Assemblyman um, Lou Greenwald. Uh-huh. Is that going to be moving in lame duck, or do you have any? I'm, for that? I'm uh, you know, I, I saw the bill. There's a real possibility that we'll take action on that bill in lame duck. Uh, you know, I've spoken to Senator Norcross about the bill. And, again, I think it's only fair that if a district stays within cap, then, you know, they've worked hard to stay within that cap because we know how hard we've made it, that they shouldn't have to go before the voters for a vote on that. So, you know, part, you know, I think that I think it's a fair, fair trade-off by moving the, the election to November. Uh, why would the... What's the rationale be, be, by putting the municipality as a person, person uh, entity that could decide that too? Why not just a school board or school district? Well, because the municipality represents the taxpayers also. Okay. And the, but and the school budget is two thirds of your local tax bill. Right. You know, and 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 it's funny is as you know how school board elections are. It's two thirds of the tax bill. But, you know, you have such a low turnout when people come out to vote on these things. And, and then, But to be fair to schools that work hard to stay within that cap, and a lot of schools have since we've implemented it, you shouldn't have to be fearful of, of getting your budgets shot down and, 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 and reworked because you've worked hard enough to stay within a cap. Okay. Um Moving forward, I mean, um, how do you envision working with the governor uh, and also, I guess, Speaker uh, uh, Sheila Oliver? Uh, all three well, of you are going to be back. It seems that it seems that way. Um, you know, 
we're going to work with him where we think he's right, where he's right on the issues. We're gonna we're not going to work with him where we think he's wrong. And I mean, we're 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 going to stand our ground where we don't agree, and where we do agree. Look, when we did pension and health care reform, we didn't do it for ourselves. We did it for the taxpayers of the state. It was the right thing to do. I know people don't like the cap, but we I felt strongly that we needed to do a cap because caps are forcing more shared services people looking to find ways to save money. You know, interest arbitration reform, again, was an important bill to do for the taxpayers of the state. So, look, where it makes sense, we're going to work with him. Where we don't agree, we will not work with him. We'll, you, know, we're, you know, obviously, where we agree, we'll work. Where we don't, we won't. But we're not going to just say, look, the election's over, uh, so for the next few years, we're going to have gridlock so we can beat him. Uh, or, you know, I mean, that's not our goal, and it's never been my goal. We have too many issues in this state that need to be addressed. And, you know, change isn't easy, but change needs to happen in order for the state to get in better shape. So, you know, again, you know, I'm sure we'll be doing things that will be angering people, and I'm sure we're going to do things that are going to make people happy. And we're going to work together where we can, and where we won't, we won't. Um. Uh. I have like two questions left. Um, how do you see the role of the board member in in our society? In uh, and how can we better improve our uh, ourselves as board members in in passing legislation? Listen, I, I school board members or or the state board. Oh, school board members. I honestly, that's the toughest job in the world. I actually served on the school board for one year. And I would probably, if I was to do it a second year, would have never got into politics. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm I'm not kidding. I, and I'm not patronizing it, but I've never had such such a difficult task because you're dealing with children. You know, you're dealing with people's children, and you're dealing with their futures. And uh, I, I just think that, you know, the school board members have to be much more active in talking to their le- local legislators one of own issues of importance. I mean, I got to be honest with you. There's not a whole lot of interaction with me and my district with school boards. You know, what I mean, you know, the school boards association. You got a, you got a good group that represents you in Trenton and lobbying for you. But uh, I've been here ten years. I might have met with a couple school districts. You know, and 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 uh, honestly, I don't. You know, I'm not. In, you're there representing the school district. You know what needs to be done, but that you know you're in my community. You're my, you know what I'm saying you're in my right. district. You guys need to, you know, you guys need to make a greater effort in my in my mind to get with your legislators and let them know what's going on in your schools and and what the problems are because we can see it from a distance, but you guys are on the front lines. So you want them to tell you. This funding formula, whatever the issue is, this is how it impacts the districts in your legislative district. Sure. Listen, I have one of the biggest problems. I have some of the largest growing districts in the state, and we were flat-funded. You know, uh, right. you, know you know the pressures of dealing with flat funding when you have enormous enrollment growth. Um, again, you know, but it's always better to hear from the people that are running the schools that are your neighbors. You know, again, that's, you know, it's not a knock. I guess it's a little bit of a knock. <laughs> like I said, I've been in the legislature 10 years. I've had a couple school boards sit down with me. Uh, Swedesboro Woolwich is one I can tell you that meets with me often. 
because they're one of those school districts that's had this enormous growth. And, uh, you know, and they've been in our ears when we got legislation to deal with, uh, you know, uh, extraordinary growth. Okay. Um, one other question. Um, how do you see the budget moving next year? Uh, schools are going to be putting their budget together. Um, do you think the – I mean, will it be a, a flat funding or it's too early to tell? Uh, it's way too early to tell. We have no idea what the numbers are going to look like. You know, there's there's certain points where you look, you know, where you start getting information and you can look at uh, school budgets. We still strongly feel, I know if the Democrats do, that a millionaire's tax would relieve the burden of of uh, a lot of a lot of people. And right now, you know, the governor said, well, you know, these are job creators. Well, we still got 9.1% unemployment, and we've treated the millionaires with kick gloves. So I think that we're going to continue to go back and possibly even go to the voters to ask them if they want to see this, because it's not fair for everyone but 16,000 people to pay their share. And when we did our millionaire's tax, you know, it's a true millionaire's tax, which means your tax rate doesn't increase until the first dollar over a million. So it's not the small business people. It's not, you know, that's what the governor always said. When John Corzine did it, he was right. 63,000 people were, uh, you know, were affected by that tax increase. Well, thank you. 16,000. I'm going to have to end it there, Uh, Senator. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Um, And I I think our board, board members appreciate you coming on and sharing your points of view. And uh, we you have an open invitation to join us whenever you want and express your opinion. And uh, I look forward to working with you in the upcoming year. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Goodbye. And that ends our show. Oops, how do I move this? Oh. Uh-huh. All right. It was hard. I to virtual, you know, and I had to, I wanted to get to the school election one, which is going to move down. The question that was asked in the chat room was, how do we communicate with Well, I'm glad he said it. Oh, you guys are great, but I don't hear from my districts. So, is that for tomorrow? I'll email Clara and just tell her I I had. No, no, no. But I'll I know Clara, so I'll tell her that we.
He was nice, though. He called me by my name. I didn't ask him. That was one of the things. I didn't have time. I wanted to tell him to do that. Towards the end, I, I'm like, oh my god, this is supposed to be a 30 second, and it's taking forever. 